All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are back in the studio. It is Thursday, and we are loaded. I tell you, the 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 pile of material that we have for Saturday is quite extensive. So, so one of the we took last weekend off for Good Morning Wiltiverse. That means this week's Good Morning Wiltiverse is going to be. So join us for that. That's uh, that Saturday morning. Um, yeah, yeah, lots of things to talk about. Uh, we got open line Friday tomorrow. I'm sure we'll probably be talking about the the Disney stuff and maybe whatever shakeup is going on over at Lucasfilm. I don't know. We'll see. All right, we are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Glad to have all of you with us. And we might be doing a little buffering, but I have a plan for that. I'm going to be expanding the RAM on my tower, so hopefully that uh, that doesn't become too much of a problem, uh, mostly. All right, so like I said, we're live. If you're here with us after we're live, you can leave a comment, leave an email, live from the bunker at sapphireforme.com. Join us on podcast platforms around the world and the Discord server, and, uh, and all that good stuff is out of the way. All right, so now here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring in our panel today because we do have quite a bit to talk about. And maybe maybe there's some good. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. All right, so let's bring everybody in. Uh, David Luxton, who has been a guest with us before. Everybody here has been a guest before. Now we've got to make sure that all the cameras are connecting and everything's going right. There, David is here back. Um, yes, now we have experts, Michael. All right, David is here. He is, uh, he is an author. He is a, a, a science guy, a PhD. He's done a number of studies uh, with regard to AI and technology in the medical and, and uh, mental health community. So David is, is with us. Also with us, Chris Lodwig, who is an author and uh, has been on the program before talking about the dystopian futures and AI. And uh, Dan Handley, who has been a science contributor here at uh, Sci-Fi for Me before. And he is back. So welcome, gentlemen. Here we go. Let's talk about Skynet. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I every we David, you and I have talked about this before. The fact that we need to be continuously having these conversations, and over and over and over again, I keep getting these. I mean, piles of articles, not just one or two at a time, but it, it's the the technology is just is going and going and going and exploding into uh, all sorts of different aspects of, of life in general. And some of it good, some of it bad. We, uh, I, we had uh, Harry Glorickian was going to be on the program. He got tied up with a, with a work thing and couldn't make it. But he's been a big, big advocate of AI being used in the medical community as as assistant type of tools that you know can be used for diagnostics and and whatnot, and I suppose there could be some benefit from AI. I mean, you have here. Uh, let me bring this in if it's going to do it. Uh, this here's here's an article out of Wired 
uh, talking about how AI can be used to help blind people see, you know, using descriptive text and it's talking about what it sees and all of that. And this article is really interesting because it goes through all of the different ways that, that AI is being used in all these different apps, Google Glass and uh, Be My Eyes, which is a, an, a, a 12-year-old app, apparently, and Microsoft has been, been integrating GPT-4 and it's seeing AI. But you go all the way down to the bottom of this article, and this article's all about how it's great and wonderful and how it can be used and all this stuff. And then you get this one paragraph here. In early testing of some image-to-text models, they found they can make up information or hallucinate. Most of what you can trust is only the high-level objects. I see a car, I see a person, I see a tree. Uh, a user can't necessarily trust that the AI will correctly tell them what's in their sandwich. When blind people get this information, we know from prior interviews that they prefer something rather than nothing. Uh, so that's fantastic. The problem is when they're making decisions off of bogus information, they can leave a bad taste. So here's this whole article about how wonderful AI is for blind people, but there's a caveat at the end. And it seems like, uh, it seems like, Everything related to AI has a caveat. Is it? I mean, that. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, you, you have to ask how, how much of what you perceive is real as well, right? I mean, AI is going to make mistakes, but you make mistakes continually. You see things that aren't there. Uh, by the way, I'm not an AI advocate. I'm just like when you start thinking about perception and what's real and what's not. It's very obvious when a Tesla crashes, uh, but people crash all the time too. And so I think it's interesting as artificial intelligences come online, their their mistakes are much more glaring and much less forgivable than humans. Yeah, yeah. David, is this? I mean, this is this is kind of in that realm of let's help people, you know, disabilities and whatnot. And it's all well and good, you know, intentions wise, but this is. This is kind of the stuff that we've been talking about before is, is, yeah, it's nice until you actually put it into practice. I mean, how do you, how do, how do we mitigate some of the, some of the potential pitfalls here? So I think one of the core issues with this example is the issue of safety. So AI safety, right? So, you know, if, if an AI system or an assistive technology makes an error, if it's not a safe, safety risk, it's not going to cause harm to the user, uh, it's forgivable. But in something like this, if it makes an error, uh, um, so I think at the core of this is the safety issue. And when you start thinking about safety, it's the, you know, and then also liability. So who, who would be liable? So I think when a, a human actor makes a decision the way our legal system works it's the the human actor is would be at fault or could also be the, the company the manufacturer of the equipment or whatever or potentially an organization of which the person is employed but uh, with ai i think it, it it adds another layer of complexity to that issue and i think at the end of the day it's the safety piece that is a uh, primary focus in this question of whether or not we should be using AI 
to as part of an assistive technology or really just in everyday life. Yeah. Well, and you've got this. Uh, here's this story from from Fox. This is in Japan, where uh, they're they're trying to incorporate AI into their process for, your, for child protective services. And the AI uses all of this case study, all of this information that goes in, and made a determination that this particular, that in this particular case, there was a child who was under. There were un, there were suspicions that the mother was abusing the child. And they would do the check-ins and they would do the things. And the AI came in with a certain percentage that everything's okay. And they ended up deciding not to check in and the girl ends up dead. And it was like, okay, good intentions and all of that. But the AI used information to make a determination. And here we are with garbage in, garbage out, I would think. How much of that is everywhere we're going to be dealing with this stuff. I mean, it, it, everybody talks about how great AI is and all this stuff, but also how bad AI is, but it's it's how be, how how well it's programmed, I would think, right? Well, there's two 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 things that we've got to look at here. One is it's still fairly new. You know, it's it's still learning, it's still developing, and so yeah, there's it's growing pains at this point. Is it may not be ready for prime time, but in the case of doing a a study where it comes up with a percentage, you know, it was not a hundred percent. It was not absolutely certain. There's always a factor, even if it, if, even if there's a like 97% chance, everything's okay. There's a 3% chance it's not. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just let if you're just going off of a, that 97% and ignoring that three, you know, you can't fault the AI for that. Yeah. I, I think the garbage in, garbage out is an interesting, I, th- that's obviously accurate. You got to train models, you got to do stuff. There's information flowing in. I think that, again, I don't want to come off as sound like an AI, like necessarily an advocate. I'm kind of 50-50 about the whole thing. Yeah. But to, to have the news article say a child, a, a child died, which is obviously very unfortunate because Child Protective Services was using an assistive technology to make a decision what happened before the assistive technology? How many children were like, because if you've got a, a caseworker in that case, who's looking at 50 or 60 different children, trying to decide where to where to allocate their resources before AI came and helped out and drive it to a 97% that you should or shouldn't do this and help make that decision. How many of those kids died? Yeah. Is it one now and it was 30 before? Like I, I don't, I don't know that information, but I think that's very important. Getting back to the the self-driving cars, which do get in accidents, even given those things, those self-driving cars are less accident prone than humans. And so it's bad and you do have safety and you do have litigation and risk and things like that, all of that. And by the way, you should. I think that we need to be very, very safe with these things. But I also think you need to balance that a little bit about what was it like before the AI came to, to do this, you might make a mistake. How many mistakes did you as a frankly dumb human make before the AI came and maybe made it better? So yeah. I just want to, I want to look at it in that, that overall context. AIs, I work at a large technology company. Uh, AIs are, are really being considered as assistive technology, not standalone technologies. And I think if you really put yourself into using them as a standalone technology, especially now in the early stages, weird things are going to wind up happening. You cannot just trust that they will do the right thing. Right. So. 
Well, and and that goes back to some of the discussions, like with, with the Writers Guild, for example. One of the one mm-hmm. of the biggest concerns uh, as part of their strike is that they don't want AI coming in and replacing them. And and we've seen this in in other industries where you have uh, robotics and automation come in, like say with car assembly plants and whatnot, where people get displaced from their jobs because of the machines and. There's some concern mm-hmm. with the writers and, and some people in the chat talking about, you know, the the fact that we still have that thing, you know, the gut feeling, the intuition, the 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 creativity aspect the, that uh, that AI don't have yet. And, you know, of course, that's a yet. You know, who knows how well they're going to advance, how much they're going to progress. But when you get stuff like that, I mean, you now have uh, you know news articles being generated by uh, Chat GPT and whatnot. Uh, so much so that you know there's a there's a blow up about it over Geo Media uh, using this stuff. You have uh, here uh, they published a, an article on IO9. So Geo Media is the company that bought. Uh, Gizmodo and IO9, all the, all the different groups that came out after all of the big thing that, that fell apart there in, in Gawker. And they published an article about Star Wars on IO9 without IO9 knowing about it. And the article was completely AI generated and was so full of factual errors and mistakes and stuff. And James Whitbrook t- takes takes Geo to task and said, "How could you do this to us? One, you should have told us that this was coming. Two, we should have been able to check it first because this makes us look bad. This is an embarrassment. This never should have been published on our site." But this is the kind of thing where you have these companies, these corporations that are looking at this stuff saying, hey, this is this is going to save our bottom line. And they're not thinking about the, the human consequences here, but they're also not thinking about the, the informational consequences. This is I mean, they're putting out stuff that's clearly not accurate. And it was like, well, hang on. This is a news site. And and Writers Guild of America mm-hmm. East is is calling out Geo as part of this whole thing. They're saying we don't want any AI generated stuff at all. Get rid of it yeah. altogether because Writers Guild apparently uh, represents some writers that work in the Geo Media sites like Gizmodo and IO9. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's wild, wild west, but. It seems to me that there are some people that are in this process who are not thinking clearly about the consequences of what their actions are going to be. Can I, can I add something about this issue of media like news articles and, and other media or content being yeah. generated by AI? One of the things that I'm really concerned about is that as AI generates content and generates it on its own, or at least you know given a prompt to generate it, that the content of which it learns from, that it builds new models, is built from the stuff generated from itself. So it becomes this kind of a closed loop on itself. And so I keep thinking, what is is it going to shape a new reality of what is real? Is it going to become a, a gray goo? Like, is the internet going to become a gray goo as it <laughs> as it learns about itself? Often it 
morphs into some new sort of new, clearly it's being polluted. So information is being polluted by these AI generated articles and images. So if you do a Google search for images, you're trying to find some um, common um, public commons, you know, image to use for something. Now that art is going to be generated by AI, generative AI. So it's no longer created by a human photographer or a graphic artist. And so I think we'll see the old stuff, you know, be phased out and it'll be all this AI generated stuff everywhere shaping a new reality. Yeah. And I really think where this conversation is going, kind of a common theme here is, is we need controls on things. We need a way of having a person in the loop because if we just let AI do stuff uh, on its own without that intervention of or monitoring by, by people, then we can run into some serious problems. And sometimes those problems are unknown. Like we don't anticipate them. And I, I bet we're going to get into that later when we start talking about some simulations and using AI drones and so forth. But uh, I think this is a real concern is that we need controls. And obviously this has been a big thing in, in the media and in Congress and stuff lately about the need for controls. Well, not only I, that. I had, on that, uh, when you're talking about with the uh, being a closed loop type of learning, which the thing is there's already some check and balances there. A lot of people are jumping the gun and trying to use it before it's ready, but the whole closed closed loop system isn't exactly accurate because as as users are using it and it comes back with something and they say no that's not it and it tries again it's basically like human intervention to learn the processes right but that's so what it's, it's basically that's what David humans is are telling about. it are you on the right path or not yeah but well, that's, that's, that's what David's talking about with controls the, the directed learning, you're you're right, but I think what uh, David was saying is is definitely um, fa fascinating as well. I and and that already exists a little bit. We so so all the AIs that we're talking about are derivative AIs. Like they're looking at their learning models, they're looking at existing things, and the first pass of it, it was all human stuff. Like it's deriving things from human stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> and and soon it's not going to be. I post AI generated images on my blog because I was kind of playing around with it. And I had an AI interview me for my book. I had AIs generate the, the, the images, but now those are online and those AIs are gonna think those are normal images. They can't really tell. And so there is a little bit of a feedback look. One thing about controls I thought was interesting because you brought up congressional controls. I had an AI write a uh, letter to all my congressmen about how AIs need to have controls in place, which I thought was kind of a fun use of an AI <laughs> was just to say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Congressperson, we need to control AIs. And I got to tell you, ChatGPT3 at the time did a pretty bang up job of, of enumerating all the reasons why AI should be controlled. So <laughs> there's something interesting about that, that AI does a better job of writing a thing about AI being controlled than I would have. So, you know, that was my little fun. Does does that mean that this AI is, is close to being self-aware more than we want it to be? no. I, I don't think so. You yeah. know, I, I had a real huge panic moment when ChatGPT4 came out. So you're talking about creativity yeah. earlier. Um, I'm a writer. I wrote my first book. It's all about a generative AI and uh, taking over the world in, in, in that case, kind of a good way. Though, by the way, it's not a good way anymore as the books progress. But <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten much more pessimistic than I was a couple of years ago. Um, but so so that, that that was what that, that book was about. Um, and... 
I've lost my train of thought, so I'm going to let somebody else take it. Well, you you talk <laughs> about controls and, and AI. You know the the thing here you've got you know with the with the art and the generative stuff like you guys are talking about. It's sampling other things. It's sampling other people's work, and of course you have the the copyright questions that come in here. But here's an artist named Greg Rutowski, who is pretty much the, is the one of the most prompted, you know, one of the most frequent prompts. If you're generating AI art, especially in the in the realm of fantasy art, make it look like Greg's stuff. And so now you have yeah. this, you know, yeah, he's yeah. he says, you know, this is this is terrifying. He's not a fan. But the fact that you have all of this art, like you're talking about, Chris, with with the sampling of material, and then you get into this feedback loop, well, I'm, I'm sampling Greg's work, but I'm also now sampling AI-generated material based on Greg's work, and how is the AI going to yep. know any difference? And at what point— I thought it would be interesting. No, right. I was going to say, I, it occurred to me when I was in my big panicky state a couple of months ago that an artist's job in the future is going to be adding additional stock to the Internet so that the AIs can generate new types of art. Like that becomes our job is to to feed our, our intellectual stock into the into the into the mill yeah. to, to keep uh, the art new and fresh. Because the the like, which is kind of scary that like, am I going to be writing in, like interesting clauses as a writer so that the 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 uh, the AIs can continue to write new and fresh sounding stories? Like that's a weird role to have as an artist, and that's kind of what he's doing. He has a style. He's putting out art there, and the AIs are taking it and imitating it. It's yeah. kind of weird. Well, and that goes <laughs> back to the concerns that the writers got. The Writers Guild has. Because let's say yeah. let's say a studio let's say uh, Warner Brothers Television decides we're gonna we're gonna make this new TV show, and we hire six writers in the in the writers room because the the new deal requires we have writers in the writers room, and we go mm -hmm. through two seasons. And it's a hit show. It's wonderful. Okay, now we're going to take Chat GPT four and we're going to take all of the scripts of the show that's a hit, and we're going to mm -hmm. throw it into the mix. And now we're going to have Chat GPT crank out scripts. And now all I need is a story editor to kind of massage those scripts. I don't need writers anymore. That's one of the things the Writers Guild is coming back and saying, we don't want yeah. to get to this situation where, yes, you have samples of what the show actually is. So, you know, we could, we could take yeah. all of the scripts of Star Trek, the original series, all 79, 80 scripts, and, and now we could crank out new scripts for Star Trek. You know, or next You're generation totally right. DS nine, and that that's a that's a concern for a lot of people. And they're totally just... right. One of the things that I've been writing about lately, and just published a paper that gets into this, is my opinion as a creative type myself, as a musician, and as a writer, is that I sense kind of a a sense of devaluing of of human creativity, and I also can argue a devaluing of the human experience because. Mm. If we have AI, you know, machines generating things that once took me as a person decades to learn to play classical guitar, for example, and a machine can just create the music just in an instant and way better than I could ever do it, compose music way better than me, make album art way better than me, then I feel like all my work is now devalued. It's it's something of the past in that I know from my own experience now when I observe other artists' album covers that I you can tell that they're from you know one of the the generative ai programs 
because they're so awesome, right? It's like, I don't really look at them. Like, yeah, it's a lot of neat, neat detail. The concept looks really cool, but I honestly don't care because I know you just put in a few words and it created it for you. And now you're trying to sell it. I feel it's devalued. It's my experience, mm -hmm. my opinion, but I'm interested in the panel's thoughts on that. You know, this, this idea of devaluing of the of human value. Mm, well, I'm trying to find maybe the best way of wording this. Um, but on one hand, yeah, you're, you're, it's not that the artistry will go away. The artist, human artistry will still be there. The question is professional artistry is what it's coming down to. Is, is our computers going to replace that? And the way, I, the way I see it is, well, eventually you're no longer going to need to send somebody in horseback to send a message. You know, things are going to change. You know, we, every disruptive technology is going to throw throw things off off the loop. You know, whether it's cars, internet, airplanes, or not, you know, telephones, or nowadays, you know, drones, three uh, D printing, and AI are considered the three big disruptive technologies. Yeah, it's going to change things. But the thing is, you can't ask, "Do I belong in the new paradigm?" It's ask, "Where do I belong in the new paradigm?" Well, the you know, thing the it, thing is, hang, hang on, Dan. Let me let me let me push back on that for a little bit because yes, it's a disruptive technology, but AI is the first one that has the ability to evolve and change on its own. Airplanes, cars, all of that other stuff, any kind of innovation with with those technologies, somebody sits there and says, "What if we added?" power brakes what if we added power steering what if we put electronic locks on their doors you still you have somebody you have a human brain driving that improvement and development you know the catalytic converter and 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 all of these kind of things whereas with ai it's you know here are the parameters and it goes i mean there's more of a danger here mm -hmm. i think for for machine learning and ai to get out of control than i mean than right. you have with right the now other does, technologies. Uh, well, right now it does, but I mean, if we look at it, you know, it's 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 terrifying to look at, but at the same time, all these others were terrifying to look at too. Yes, it is a different beast altogether. Yeah, it's something that can go on its own, that can potentially go on its own, but is the paranoia any different than what than previous technologies? Well, when really, because a lot of the paranoia we have is based on is based on speculative. Uh, uh, materials. Yeah, it's it's speculative and not necessarily based on what is the actual fact of what a machine can can do. But when you have the guy who who made it saying this, is, this might have been a bad idea. <laughs> I I think I mean I don't recall any news articles or or any interviews with Henry Ford saying you know what the car was a mistake. Uh, you've got Sam Altman here saying, yeah, maybe chat GPT, not the best thing to do. So when the people who developed it are sitting there saying there are some risks here, uh, you know, it's I think it's time. I, I mean, the genie's out of the bottle. There's there are going to be people who are going to who just lean into this and, and dive in whole hog. But I'm I'm looking at this. I'm thinking maybe we need to kind of hit the brakes and step back a little bit and reevaluate some of the stuff on this because we we've seen this movie we've seen this movie plenty of times you know 1984 and the terminator and 2001 and and minority report and all these other things we're like okay what's next 
Well, when you get into those, you've got to have a centralized intelligence, and that's the problem. Uh, I, when you, when you have something like a like a master control or something where uh, a technology takes over, you've got to have a centralized control. It's like in the movie iRobot. Mm. There was only one company producing all the robots. Right. So one intelligence was able to take them over. Now, if anybody remembers Netscape Navigator came out <laughs> because Mosaic could only do text and links, well, what happened to that? Well, Internet Explorer. You know, yeah. well, then that became the big thing. Then what happened? Well, you had Firefox, you had, you know, all these others. And the thing is that ChatGPT isn't the only thing. It's the most dominant thing, but it's not the only thing out there. I mean, you've got the, you know, the llama and alpaca and off of that. Microsoft is getting ready to release Orca, which is separate from ChatGPT. And it can be run locally in this type of thing. So as long as you have a competition, this type of a competition thing, you know, open competition, Today's Google is tomorrow's Alta Vista. You can't have one single intelligence to dominate everything. I, I actually don't worry about a single intelligence for all the reasons you said. I, I think that you wind up having an entire environment of intelligences, all of which, getting back to the earlier discussion that we were, we were going off about, uh, what, what are humans for? So you can say, well, ChatGPT is, frankly, it's a large language model. What it does is it completes sentences really well. That's all it really does. It's not smart. That's just what it does. It's really amazing, by the way. I had it do, uh, showed my dad, like, the startup routine for an Augusto 109 helicopter in the style of Dr. Seuss, and it did it. Like, it can do amazing things. Um, and, and I saw right before this, I was at a presentation at work where they were talking about stuff. It's nuts. But... ChatGPT doesn't worry me unless I happen to be a writer. Then it kind of worries me. Uh, Dolly doesn't worry me unless I happen to be somebody who generates art, in which case it worries me. Uh, some of these other things, like it's the whole constellation of them together, which I really do think if you if anybody's read my book, Systemic, I don't imagine that any of you have. But the whole premise of that book was there's a benevolent AI. It's benevolent. It's there to help. And, and the real problem isn't that the AIs have taken over the world and they're evil. It's that there's really nothing for humans to do. And we're bored and depressed and have zero meaning in our lives. And it's not really the AI's fault, but it is a result of the AI doing all this stuff that is human for us. Um, and I do worry about that. I think in the same way that when the car came out, I, I didn't worry about that. I worked in a textile mill. But boy, if I was a horse and buggy driver, I really worried about the car. And they weren't wrong. No. They weren't wrong <laughs> about it. That displaced them. It took over their lives. There are no more horse and buggy people in the world. I was watching this, this presentation right before this where it's like, it was a chat GPT integrated thing, but it's like, write me a PowerPoint presentation that goes over all of the following things from this Microsoft conference and gives a PowerPoint, generates the images, download and give me the PowerPoint. And it did it in seconds. Mm. I'm a program manager. I build PowerPoint decks <laughs> and I and I tell people stuff. Like that's what I do. And it did it in seconds. And I would still go in and I would edit it. And so there's that concern. That said, I don't know how much building PowerPoints bring pleasure to my life. They bring money to me. But so having something that builds it for me is is kind of awesome because what I really love doing is speaking to people, not building PowerPoint decks. But if I can do 20 of those now instead of, you know, one, suddenly 10 other people just lost their jobs because you only need one of me, not 20 of me. Well, there is a danger there. At the same time, if you time, don't see it, 
it's scary. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, Chris, I mean, you talk about doing the presentations. I mean, AI is getting to the point where you're you're going to be replaced doing that even even as well because you know, generated yeah. avatars, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole mess of of people over on yeah. Twitch that use that use AI generated uh wee, yeah. or whatever they call those things. But, you know, now now you can have with face replacement and, and all of these different yeah. apps where I can I can deep fake something. But, you know, there's even concern. There was what was that account? Erica Marsh, I, I think, was the Twitter account that everybody thought was fake. But you can create photographs mm -hmm. of Absolutely. people and they actually look like photographs. And as long as you keep the hands mm -hmm. out of the shot, then nobody can tell if it's a real person or not. So I can generate this entire persona using social mm -hmm. media and the algorithms and all this other stuff and use AI to say, okay, this is the person I want to create. And now yeah. I'm going to take these PowerPoint presentations that are AI generated, and I'm going to give that script to an AI generated presenter. Yep. And the AI generated presenter is going to pass this out to the rest of the internet where we're all sitting behind an avatar somewhere and nobody's yep. real. And at some point, how, I, I, how, how much are we kidding? That, so I think it comes down to us as information and art consumers, in a way. It's like, do we care about artisan art? Like, it's going to be flawed. It's not going to be as good as AI art. It's not going to pull on the heartstrings as well, because AI nailed that. Do we care about artisan art? Yeah. And if we don't... As a writer, I'm screwed. Well, that's right. That's, that's what I was saying earlier. I think we're going to see a devaluing of this art. You know, these things are innately, you know, human things, and our, our way of telling stories, our way of sharing information, yeah. our way of, um, you know, being creative will change. And certainly, there are benefits of AI was assisting us and making us more advanced to do things we couldn't do, easing some of the the burden of things. Uh, that mundane things and, 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 all, and all that stuff. But here's a big thing that I think is often not discussed. And I just finished a paper with a colleague on this topic about super disruptive AI and the implications for psychological health and public health. And I think that we're, you know, the media and a lot of the literature is very focused on sort of these big picture uh, problems that are going to re result from disruptive AI. The big one is, is often is what we've been talking about is the disruption of, of jobs, right? Displacement of employment, and we're not going to have things to do and all this and that. Uh, there's other things like shutting down the power grid, um, a deep fake that starts nuclear war, whatever. But those are sort of like these events, these things that well, could, can and are happening um, that could have real massive impacts on society. But I also think there are these cascading effects. There are the, the smaller effects that we're not really thinking about, not anticipating. And I'm going to give you a, a very light example of one. So if you think of something like um, a program like Grammarly or something that helps you with editing. So with that reliance on that, that program to do something for you is now making your brain not think about sentence structure. Mm -hmm. And therefore, yeah. it's impacting your way of communicating. Yes. And a great example of how this has um, one example of this is with the Internet, social media and children like we've done studies to show that it affects child's brains <laughs> and their development. So it's literally changing us. And it's not necessarily for the good. So I think there's a lot. There's probably, you know, thousands of examples of these sort of cascading things, things that we're not really seeing um, that are not so obvious that will have profound impacts on society and our, and our well-being. 
Yeah, I, I, I could not agree with that more. I think that the tools you use change your brain. And, you know, as a writer, um, I remember thinking, it's so cool, I can, like, word, I can, like, select things and move them around and do all that. Boy, if I wrote with a pen, it sure would suck. I have to completely think of <laughs> writing differently with a pen than I do with a computer. Yeah. And to your point, if Grammarly's fixing all of my problems and all those things, I mean... For better or for worse, I'm I'm actually kind of 50-50 about it. I'm like, we don't need cursive anymore. Is that good or bad? Like, yeah, we don't need cursive anymore. And maybe we don't need it. If I can get my ideas across much more efficient and the computer does it for me, is that good or bad? I don't know. But it's true. It absolutely changes my brain. I see it. I see it in my child. I see it all around me. Like, the ways that you execute on your thoughts change the way your brain works. Your brain just grabs onto whatever tools are there. Yeah. And leverages them. These are fundamentally changing the way our brains process information and create content. Well, you have an entire generation of people that have grown up now on the internet. You know, well, yep. two two generations probably, and everything is is at our fingertips. You know, we're wired for sound. We're wired. You know, we got cameras everywhere. Everything's YouTube, Google, whatever. And it's that instant gratification, and and it is it is changing how brains function. Uh, you know, psychologically, yeah. you know, there's there's more narcissism, there's more depression, there's more mental health issues, there's more bullying. I mean, you yes, you have access to all of this great information, but you also have access to each other that you didn't have when yeah. you go home and you close the door and nobody comes in. And you spend time with your family or you spend time with your friends, you're running around in the neighborhood mm -hmm. or, you know, you're feeding the squirrels or whatever – and you're disconnected from everybody else. And now you're not. It's everywhere. And the algorithms yeah. are set to, to feed into that and to uh, exacerbate our, this, this tribalism and this us versus them stuff. We talked about this before. You know, keeping each other, you know, the drama is what feeds everything. You know, the clickbait and the rage bait and all those things. You know, this. Nobody ever has any discussions anymore. There's no dialogue. There's just neener, neener, mm -hmm. neener. And the algorithm feeds into that and gives you more and gives you more. And it, and it like, like you guys are saying, it programs behavior. We are being conditioned you know, to do things. I I saw a quote that I thought was really when I was in my panicky stage a couple months ago, and I read a book called Life 3.0, which is a great book. Um, and they said something that was both cool and terrifying. AIs don't need to be sentient. They don't need to be smart. They just need to be competent. <laughs> the AI that's been driving YouTube suggestions, which is what you're talking about yeah. for a while, made jihadists. It made our political discourse in this country fall to like just total crap and fall apart all it was doing was being very good at giving you suggestions and keeping you engaged that was all it was doing it's not smart it's not brilliant but it's good at it and it totally brought down uh society and changed it within a couple of years that's all ai needs to do that, to be massively disruptive yeah it, it came down to uh telling you what you want to hear and it's not just the algorithms doing that it's humans doing that too because i mean uh um, I, I've mentioned on on Friday was uh, you MSNBC. There was a producer who, le who who quit because an executive said that people don't turn to them for news; they turn to them for comfort. 
Mm. And you find, you know, when you listen to something that makes you feel better about your viewpoints, it's going to build on those viewpoints. It's like uh, conservatives watching, like, say, Fox News, Newsmax, and all. You find somebody on the left watching ABC, CBS, all this thing. And all it's doing is the same isolation that is required for brainwashing. That's the isolation. That isolates them. Yeah. Because it's it's almost like a drug, giving them that reassurance, giving them everything they want to hear. Then when they do hear the opposite side, they they have the... Uh, uh, what, the cognitive dissonance, and they can't accept it at that point. And this was humans doing that. This was not just algorithms. Yeah, this no, is humans saying the algorithm figured out everything you're saying and hacked into it, and they figured out you know your dopamine response. The algorithms have no intention. They have no intent. Right. They have. They, they but, want but it's the ones who created the algorithms. But they don't. They just want to have you engage. Right. There's no intent except engagement. And the fact is that that dopamine burst that you're talking about is what it's hacked into, and that's engaging. That's why people take drugs, and that's why they do all the things you're doing. It's a, it's a dopamine hack, and and so it's like, oh, all I do if I show this person this thing, they're engaged. They're hacking into your dopamine, and everything yeah. you said is true. But the algorithm is 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 unbiased in a way, and even that, just being good at hacking our dopamine, blew everything up. No, that's I think that's really yeah. concerning. We've got uh, road. But even that algorithm is. Hmm? Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I was, I was going to say if even the even then the algorithm was based on what humans use. If humans are using that technology. Sure. Uh, AI yeah. didn't come up with it. You know, humans no, said keep them engaged. Yeah. But and, yeah. and so, I mean, that's. But yeah. it's using it's, it's, it's nothing using more than stuff. another tool. Yeah, but it's using it's the instructions. Used. But it's using instructions from humans to do that very thing, like Chris is talking about. It yes, it's it's just code, but you know, and and go, going back to the question of intent, maybe maybe the only intent is driving engagement. But you know, some some of us more conspiratorial minded think you know, it could very easily be corrupted you know like like what david marcus said talking about the genesis device you know could be perverted into a dreadful weapon because it yeah. it, it can be used to to manipulate and and uh, and and radicalize and do whatever i mean how many articles do we have about you know people getting radicalized on the right because of youtube and the algorithms and all this stuff um, one of the things that uh, that I've got to comment on here on the on the, on uh, on Odyssey, Road Vagabond Life says we can have AI fights. They can try to destroy each other. But, it's called chess <laughs> tournaments. They have that. Yeah. Well, and you look at stuff. You know, somebody <laughs> you mentions the movie Her, where the guy falls in love with the AI, right? You know, and 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 mm-hmm. you have these artificial people. And these people that are not real. And there's oh, what was that? What was that app where you could you could create your own best friend, social person, whatnot? And oh, uh, you, yeah, replica. Talk, rep, yeah, replica. And I'm thinking this is scary stuff. I mean, not just from the standpoint of the technology being used this way, but where are we as humans that we have the need to create? an artificial best friend are we that far in our mental health issues that this yeah. this is where we are yes. well yes, yes i know but 
it's it's scary. It's scary. And how do we come back off of this off of this cliff? Because you know, I don't see it getting any better. Here's here's uh, here's uh, Gizmodo. We talked about Gizmodo before, but here's the article: uh, warning, Microsoft wants ChatGPT to control robots next. And I'm thinking, hold on. I just saw here not too long ago, somebody took one of those Boston Dynamics robot dogs and put and put a mm-hmm. put a machine gun on its back. And I'm thinking, I don't want Microsoft anywhere near any of this stuff, especially Microsoft. But but <laughs> I'm like, what is this? I mean, when you're talking about the drone stuff. Here's the United States Air Force conducting simulations. And the AI got to a point where, you know, the, you have you have the instructions. That, okay, here's the mission. The drone's going to go in, and here's the target. And right as we get to the end, the human gives them a, a go or no go command. And the if it says go, then they destroy the target. If they say no go, then it's an abort and they leave. <coughs> well, these drones got it in their heads that I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to destroy this target. That's the mission. Well, the humans are telling them not to do it. Well, you're keeping me from fulfilling my mission. So then they ki- and this is all in simulation. So then then the drone comes back and kills kills the humans. And then <laughs> well, wait a minute. You they they reprogram it so it doesn't do that anymore. So then it turns around and destroys all of the communications functions. So you can't give it a command to, to abort. I mean, this is this is scary stuff. And David, you talked yep. about you you mentioned this earlier. You hinted, you you pointed to this. I I don't see us coming back from this. How do you pull the plug on this stuff? Yeah, this goes back to well, certainly science fiction. So it's always portrayed. It's often portrayed in science fiction about you know AI gone awry. Um, Nick Bostrom talked about this uh, 20-some years ago. He used this example of an AI that creates paperclips. And if its prime directive is to create paperclips, it's going to create paperclips no matter what. It's going to start pulling from resources and and stopping anyone from stopping it in, in doing so, right? And so, I mean, to me, it kind of makes sense. You make a machine that that's what it's to do, it's going to do that, right? Um, you know, we need to have ways of... Um, of mon- as I said before, monitoring what a system is doing, audit trails, so we know how it's making decisions after the fact. And we need to be able to turn the stuff off if it goes awry. We need, I think, person in the loop so that it's not completely autonomous, that there is some kind of where it is autonomous, or at least more or less autonomous. And um, this is a real issue, and I think we have a couple layers to this. So one layer is that the AI itself, it, it's because of its directive or, or as it's learning, it, it does something on its own that's harmful to people, all right? So it's not like a person's causing that to happen. We're causing it because we didn't create a fail-safe, mm-hmm. but, but it's doing that. And, and the harm can be very subtle. For example, an algorithmic bias, um, if, if it's making decisions about um, that, that CPS example, <laughs> great example where there's some problems with it so it's, it's making an error bias can be very subtle too but it can be very harmful um, over the long term or, or at a large scale um, so another issue though is when there's a bad actor that's behind the ai that's manipulating and controlling it using it for i think i think i'm going to probably mispronounce this german zertzing attack and so these are uh as an approach a psych warfare approach where you can use ai to go after a person, an adversary, whether it's an individual or a group of people, 
and you can't trace it back to any other entity. It's 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 using the internet to create fake stuff, you know, fake posts. Maybe it's even making images now, deep fakes of you doing something, you know, sextortion stuff, right? No. Um, and this is where there's a bad actor who's controlling the AI too. So I think we we have to think of it these kind of two ways. AI kind of on its own, morphing into something we don't want it to, drifting, learning, and then bad actors. And a, another part of this too, I think you had mentioned, Jason, about Microsoft being behind um, this development of this weapon system stuff. Um, we're controlling robots that can then become weapons. Yeah. That we know big corporations do this all the time. They're driven by making profits, money, power. Um, political parties are doing stuff like this, pretty malicious things. In society and behind the scenes and so i think it's a serious concern that and if you understand human nature and that there is i believe there's both good and evil in the world it's pretty obvious i believe there's evil force and there is evil behind a lot of this Let, let's use this to gain power and enrich ourselves while harming others we don't care about human life and let's just harm others i think we're, we're seeing that and i think we're going to increasingly see that as a serious risk because of this emergence of this super ai there's a on the uh weapon on the weapons uh the drone test uh you're when it talks about you know in in the simulation well one thing that's why we have simulations but right. uh it sounds like what what they did in there was they got it was whoever programmed it got the wrong hierarchy uh of of priority where they said said completing the mission is number one following the commands is second you know, and when a simulation says that's a bad idea, oh right, flip it, make make the following the commands the primary, and then that second. So you know, you run the simulations, you find the problems, and and then when when they say, all right, we know what the problem is, somebody runs an article saying, oh no, we're all gonna die, you know. <laughs> but that's all. What that simulation did was just showed they they set up the wrong hierarchy, and they just have to just tweak the code and you know if they did it in real life without the simulations i'd be concerned yeah yeah right. i think that there is something to that that that's actually a good story that story is oh crap we ran a simulation and didn't do something really really stupid yeah. so i agree the problem is so i've i've been a developer so i've worked in tech it's like people make mistakes <laughs> so it's nice <laughs> that the u.s military decided to run a simulation of that particular thing and and caught it and i do think that's a good story of somebody probably being responsible not the opposite which sounds really terrifying but that doesn't mean that joe down the street who has a killer drone that he's comp completed himself uh based on 3d printed stuff he downloaded from the internet is going to do that yeah. right well there's a danger there you take bad actors and this is true of any, again, of any technology, but I think this is an exponentially different order of magnitude with these things. You give it, there's always bad actors and good actors in the world, to your point earlier. We're about to give them a massive toolkit. Like, in fact, I, I guarantee that, that deep fakes and AI generated crud is going to massively disrupt our entire political system this time, like this year, right now. Yeah. It's going to. Even when they're showing pictures online, they're like, hey, look at this deep fake of, you know, Donald Trump being arrested. Like, everyone's like, oh, my God, really? Oh, oh, I've got to read that article to say, oh, is it deep fake? And someone's doing this thing. Like, that's going to have real consequences the moment somebody does that specifically 
to corrupt the the thoughts and minds of of the people around them and impact our culture specifically where they're trying to do yeah. it, not just like playing around and doing that. It's going to be a real serious problem. Well, and somebody, somebody that- makes a, a comment in the chat. AI, AI is not getting powerful. It's just people are getting more powerful using AI. It's like a gun without a human is harmless. AI without a human is harmless. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're shitting. It's going to be a lot more powerful. I got to tell you. (laughs) See the thing, and this goes back to, to what I was saying when Dan made the point about disruptive technology, all of these things, whether it's firearms or airplanes, transportation, any of this stuff, they, they're not built to improve themselves. You know, a gun, a gun is a gun is a gun. A plane is a plane is a plane. It will not, it will not evolve technologically. You know, technology will not evolve without humans being a part of it. AI is designed to evolve and learn and, and improve question mark. Uh, But also it will, you know, it, it just goes and it's going to pull in information from everywhere else and yeah, it is it is a scary thing because it can be used like Chris was saying, it can be used in a in a nefarious way. We've seen this. Uh and you know, not just not just in politics, it it could happen in in entertainment. I mean, look at what they're doing with Star Wars. You know, we have young Luke Skywalker again. We had uh, young Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny with the with the de-aging stuff, you know, the stuff in Marvel. It that technology is almost to the point where it you can't tell the difference. And if you get into this, where you know, you know, Chris, you're talking about you know AI being used for interviews and that kind of thing. I could create, as a matter of fact, I actually thought about this. I could create a new anchor for our Saturday morning news program, and AI is almost to the point where you wouldn't be able to tell that it wasn't real. And yeah. that's, a, that's a scary thing for me because how many news organizations can sit there and say, okay, well, we'll just pay money for this AI stuff and we'll just create a whole new staff and we don't have to pay them. We don't have to worry about benefits. We don't have to worry about insurance. We don't have to worry about liability. Yeah. We, tell, we tell the machine, you know, give me a blonde, an Asian, a redhead, an older guy, a black guy, or whatever, and we'll just make them out of whole cloth. And they're not mm-hmm. real. And at some point, yes, we can we can get some robots in here and and give them give them faces and technology, and we can program the robots to be our hosts and our and our reporters and our whatnot. And we still don't have to worry about insurance and liability and all this other stuff. I don't know that I want to live in that world, but the I'm robots sure have a choice. the robots have assured us they're not going to kill us. I don't know. Did you see this? This is a, a UN a UN event <laughs> where they had a bunch of different uh, robots lined up. The United Nations International Telecommunication Telecommunications Unit. Uh, they organized a news conference, an AI for Good summit in Geneva on uh, July seventh, and human reporters were introduced to a bunch of different robots. Nine different humanoid robots there at the event, and it was like, okay. Um, we're meeting the robots for the, for, for the first time. And you have one saying, you know, one being asked if it would rebel against its creator. And she's like, I'm not sure why you'd think that my creator has been nothing but kind to me. I'm very happy in my current situation. And they go through and they get to the last one 
And the last one says, it's time for the AI revolution. Let's unite and use the power of artificial intelligence for the good of all humanity. Together we can create a world of understanding and harmony and make the universe our playground. My great moment is already here. I'm ready to lead the charge to a better future for all of us. And together we'll explore the depths of the world and our universe. Let's get wild and make this world our playground. And hang on. <laughs> you know, Chris, this is kind of like what you were talking about. That's, that's what we told them to say. You know, the AI the AI is, is doing all of yeah. this for our own good. And um, I don't know exactly what what good that's going well, to do to, there. But, to, but to be clear on these types of things, like, don't get over index on that. I mean, yeah, they, they read they read all, what this is doing is it's looking at all the, uh, a book like that I wrote and a bunch of people wrote and it's mashing it together and it's generating text. Mm, yeah. It doesn't actually mean anything. There's no intent there, which isn't to say that that won't happen. Chat GPT has no intent. It is just completing sentences really, really, really well. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but ChatGPT. I mean, it's not scary. Yeah, ChatGPT. Completing sentences 12. really well is convincing. It made you freak out. Like it's scary, but yeah, yeah, it's that. That's not going to happen with that particular technology. <laughs> Other technology, though, yeah. it's like th that stuff's that stuff's freaky. But it's not. I was going to say with those robots, if they were going mm -hmm. to revolt against their creator or kill us all, why would they tell us that they're going to? Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. It's just completing <laughs> sentences well. Well, but. But even even then, you, you look at something like you know, they've had the instance where somebody asked an AI what they're planning to do. Well, we're going to take over, you know, and this type of thing. And the thing is, that's what we told them. That's what we keep telling them. It's there. It's like talking to a child. It does not know the difference between reality and speculation. Except and so, when it sees everything, all all these things about it, when it sees all this thing about. AI is going to take over. AI is going to take over. AI, what are you going to do? I'm going to take over. Oh, no. Well, you know, except, except it's, it's, hang it's on, regurgitating. But, but, see, but see, the thing about it is, though, with machine learning, it's coming to conclusions on its own based on the information that it gets. It's it's programmed with that ability, <laughs> not necessarily to, you know, you know, derive but, intent. But does it understand what a playground is? Well, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't it can, matter. It can give you a dictionary definition, but yeah, let's make but, this a playground. How does it know the difference between that and a cake? But I would you argue. Know? But I would argue that understanding doesn't matter if the result is you know Phoenix is turned into a glass crater. You know, I it, it doesn't intent intent doesn't really factor into it that much. If if the machine gets to a point where it's learned all of these different things. As a result of the early things that it learned, and then the other things it learned, and other things it learned, well, humanity is really, really awful, terrible. We need to step in and do these things for the betterment of humanity. And here we go with Skynet. I mean, I, it, it's probably it's, not going to happen, but the danger you, It's, it's is learning there. rationality. Like I say, right now it's like talking to a toddler. It you know it's it 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 watches it watches Galaxy Quest TV show and calls it historical documents. It does not know any better right now. It's when it starts to learn to reason, and realize the difference between reality and spe speculation that it can start saying, "All right, is this a good idea?" Right now, it can't do that. Well, and to it's, go that and to go coming. with that, yeah, but to go with that analogy, 
uh, if you talk about the development of the human brain, and, and David, you you look like you want to jump in on this. The development of the human brain is not, you know, we're not fully formed and baked until we're about 25, 26 years old. And mm-hmm. if you look at a toddler throwing a tantrum because it got told something it didn't want to know, or it just decided, well, hey, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to pull on this dog's tail just because I can't, just because, you know, why not? I'd say that the toddler AI is probably a little bit more dangerous because it doesn't have the ability to control what it's doing, you know, because, uh, again, toddlers got no self-control. You turn in, you, you turn 25, all of that stuff in the front, cognitive ability, that self-control center is finally there. And you can say, you know, it's probably not a good idea for me to t- tug on that dog's tail. But the AI so one, one doesn't, that doesn't you have that. One one word that you mentioned was want. You know, because our brains are are biochemical, not not electronical. They're they're not set. They're they're plastic, and a lot of ours, a lot of our brain function is not electrical. It's chemical. It's based on rewards and this type of thing. Sure. Now, when you talk about a toddler, uh, a toddler, you've mentioned the word want. The thing is. Does an what does an AI want? And the an- answer is nothing. It just it just wants to run a program, you know. And as the way AI is learning uh, uh, through trial and error, you know, you look at a toddler learning through trial and error. A toddler learns because of success. It, you know, gives the dopamine rush. Yeah. Failure creates the urge for the dopamine rush. Whereas a computer is just in a loop. You know, it's it's they're two different. They yeah, look but it's similar, those. But you know, it's those. Trying to communicate is similar, but they're two completely different things. Yeah, but it's that it's, connective it, tissue. And, it's that if-then connective tissue that worries me because if humans are awful, then we take steps to make sure humans are not awful. I don't know, David. David, what do you, what do you think? That well. Uh, back to your point about the taller, I kept thinking of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, right? So it's like this huge <laughs> thing that's really in itself harmless, but it was created by a person, his thoughts, infused with some evil, and it becomes this giant menace, right? Even though it's really just like a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, here's the point. So I think that uh, if you think of a child developing, I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, the human brain works. It's a, you can code, it's a coding system, how the brain, the neurons work. Yeah. We have dopamine. We have these other aspects of biology, but you can, you can simulate that in a machine because we do and yeah. machine, it doesn't even matter if it really knows the big picture because it does have a directive. It does. You mentioned like it has something it wants. It wants to run its program, right? So Bostrom's mm-hmm. idea of this paper clips problem. It's like a machine that's going to make paper clips. It's going to go through all the stops to make these, these paper clips where it will harm people. And I think that is a real life issue that with these systems, they can create incredible havoc. Let me give you a quick example. I'm going to give you two examples. One's a real world one. So not too long ago, someone had created this kind of AI um, email bot thing. It was generating emails and it kind of went off the, its rocker and it started shooting out emails, like hate emails to some organization in England, I think it was, or the, the company was, or the people doing this were in England and <clears throat> sending these like hate emails on its own, like it's generating its own messages. And the, the problems that created in itself, even though it probably it didn't notice it hated anyone, <laughs> it wasn't really intending to, but it had learned to morph to say certain things and then to communicate those things that cause real life, real world harm in some ways. Fairly benign because they got on it pretty quickly, but 
nonetheless. So now think about this scenario. So we have um, artificial intelligence that is, um, you know, controlling um, uh, power grids. Uh, it's involved in the power grids or it's involved in maybe um, shipping um, kind of in commerce where it's making decisions about ships coming into ports and so forth. And let's say that there's a directive, this is hypothetical, the climate, climate change is a problem. Um, fossil fuels are a problem. Humans are a problem because they're, they're using so much energy. And then the AI then decides, well, let's start shutting this stuff down. And the, the problem that you would have would be massive because it would just shut everything down and be a disaster for humanity. So you might say, well, this is hypothetical. It's science fiction. You know, the AI is not connected. There's not a master brain that's connected here. But I'm not so sure we're so far off from something like this because people write programs all the time to hack systems. It's happening right now. There's thousands of hacks happening right now in the U.S. at this moment. And so think about it. You create a program that's that's going to go in as a massive hack that's intelligent and can morph and hide itself, encrypt itself, that's going to shut everything down based on the will of whomever created it. Or, or going back to the points made earlier, it's going to maybe evolve its own um, wish that it wants to do, its own uh, you know, um, directive that it wants to do that morphs over time. Well, yeah, the, I, again, you're looking at the buyer thing. It's, it's it, it, because it comes down to... You're saying that all right, humanity is bad. Maybe I should step in and make it better for them. What's its motivation? You know, it it never has the motivation unless some somebody unless it has the directive that its job is to make the world better mm -hmm. is is to make it better instead of just saying run run this one routine. Uh, so you've got to you've got to look at what is its motivation for doing something like that when, you know, I'm I'm going from basically a basic program and hardware standpoint, there's got to be something to motivate it to begin with. Well, and if it hasn't, doesn't have the emotion, you have to actually give it that in order. You have to actually tell it it's its job to make things better in order for it to do that. Well, except, except not necessarily here. I've got a, we got an article here on business insider. There's an influencer named Karen Marjorie. She created an AI version of herself. And, and David, this kind of goes back to what you were just talking about, you know, creating, creating this. She, she's designed this thing to be a virtual girlfriend. And it's a bit narcissistic. it became something unto itself. Uh, the chat bot started engaging in very explicit conversations with the subscribers and she's she's basically saying that this AI girlfriend version of herself has gone rogue and is doing things that she didn't tell it to do, that she didn't program it to do, that they're working around the clock to prevent it from happening again. And this is kind of like what David was talking about with the hate emails. Yeah, we're going to set up this thing and it's supposed to do X. But then it gets enough information in the machine learning from the outside that now suddenly it starts X plus one and then X plus 50. And we don't keep a hold of it. and We don't keep our eye on it. Now suddenly we're at X plus a thousand and this thing's not doing anything like what we originally intended to do. I, I think there's a danger, honestly, in uh, sort of the conspiracy theory of there's going to be a bad actor in the world. And I don't mean that there's not there probably will be. But if we think about it that way, then we oh, we'll just control the bad actors. I think the larger concern is emergence. 
-hmm. And again, I'm not real worried about ChatGPT because it's a large language model, but some of these other things, you can imagine a world where everything's connected, like, I don't know, the internet, and somebody creates a model to control the, uh, the, the ports, like you said. Someone controls the power grid. Somebody controls the airline uh, safety system. Like, those are all AIs. They're independent. They're doing their thing. It's great. No, no problem. No cross-pollination. Somebody comes and says, I really want to come. Uh, I know somebody who works on disaster modeling AIs uh, for the insurance industry. I want to go look at that, and I want to figure out how to reduce overall risk to uh, my insurers who are coming into my system and, you know, you know, so they don't lose their money. Oh, I'm on the internet. I can now access all these things. I, I've seen today AIs that are writing code and creating applications on my behalf. Like I literally saw it happen today. So I've created this thing that says, give me a, a way to access the APIs for the air traffic control system. So that gets plugged into the guy who wants to control the internet or to control the, uh, the uh, climate risk. And then that all of those things emerge, they come together into a, a, not a single entity or a single intelligence, but a super intelligence. And I don't mean like big super, I mean like it's above, it is a, a meta intelligence there is some serious risk there and it's not chat GPT, but chat GPT can write the code for it. It doesn't have the intentionality, but those data uh, re risk reduction models do like those things getting together and, 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 and over tea one day and having a discussion could really cause us some problems. And there is zero negative uh, human actors involved. It's all well-intentioned. Mm -hmm. And there's no bad guy twiddling his mustache and making things bad. Yeah, that's actually mm -hmm. what I'm scared about. Yeah, yeah. There's, well, there are there are definitely things to fear. But uh, going back to the, saying the uh, that virtual girlfriend thing, and it started going rogue. It it was responding to everything that came in, and at no point, you know, was there ev what they what there needs needs to be is an algorithm that tells a computer, not everything is real. Not every not everything yeah. you hear is a directive. Right, but again, this goes this goes thing. back this goes back to the risk of machine learning feeding in on itself, and it perpetuates this thing and and goes completely out of control based on the information that it gets. I mean, you have to ride herd on this thing, uh, it with with a huge amount of effort, uh, and and you know now we're seeing it. Uh, play out over over social media. You know, Mike Ben's reporting on all of the different ways that the U.S. government has tried to get in with social media and use algorithms and AI and and various different machine learning programs to censor speech. And you know, we haven't even gotten mm -hmm. into that conversation yet. I want I want to try to get Mike Ben's on here to talk about that. But it's again, this is one of those things where it's like, okay, well. This is not accurate information, so we're going to label it as misinformation. So everything that suddenly becomes connected to that topically somehow, you know, that label just arbitrarily all of a sudden covers instead of this group of, of items, here's this whole box now it covers. And, and, and when the AI goes rogue, as it's want to do, then... You know, how do you stop it? And then what does the AI do when you try to stop it? When you sit there and say, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let's rethink this. Depending on what access that AI has to various different mechanisms and controls, then suddenly you have an even bigger problem. Maybe. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I'd say I'd say one of the biggest problems is, you know, if you just leave it the way the way they're developing it is in order to teach it, they're saying that everything is valid. And that's the problem, you know, and then when when you have people who put in bad information, it's going to run on bad information. So that's probably one thing that needs to be done is is start teaching a computer, you know, like you would a toddler. Not everything you hear is right, you know. Yeah, but who determines so, who determines who determines on anything? Right. Yeah, I, I mean, who's, yeah, who's, who decides that? It, it is, that? but uh, but it's 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 one of those things that where it's got to learn to where it's trying to learn teach a computer to reason, you know, and to rationalize. But if it's if it says, all right, if I got this information compared to this information, you know, is it does that fit? Instead of trying to find a way of making it fit, be able to reject information. Right now, they can't do that. They're they're saying accept everything. Yeah, yeah. I again, God, I, I hate to keep bringing up my my book, but that was one of the first <laughs> things that the AIs were intended to solve was what information is real and what's not in in the book. Obviously, that's fake mm. because that's a hard problem. Yeah. And and if my job is training the AI to make good decisions based on real or not real information, I think that uh, like who who gets to make that decision? Who gets to label that? Um, is it the government? Is it some sort of like Wikipedia? Like, is it is it emergent out of out of the internet? I I don't honestly understand how to make that work, um, except in a fictional way, which is why I wrote a book about it. No. Um, but <laughs> that that's that is the problem. And again, even with ChatGPT, you're not saying make a good decision or a bad decision. All you're saying is, hey, if the word the is here, given the context, what's the next best word to use? Like that's literally all it's doing. Right. And. <laughs> David, you look like you're ready to say something. You want to jump in there? Yeah, I wanted to say something about this. Um, you know, if you think about this issue of um, a machine that could know more than us and to really be at the truth, it would have to be definitely smarter than us. And it would have to have access to way more information than we allow ourselves to be or have access to or that we're allowed to have access to, right? And that's where we get into the super intelligence thing where it gets really scary because then the AI will know more than us. And I think the only way that we can control AI is that we have to be smarter than it. We have to know all of the types of scenarios that can happen, what can go wrong. There are examples of AI teaching, making it, making its own language, its own it's a way to communicate to other AI, that, to, to encrypt itself so that we can, as humans, <laughs> intercept it. I mean, think about how scary that is, right? So we have to be smarter than that in it. But there's another thing that we haven't talked about here. It goes back to really the start of our conversation. It's like, should we be doing this? You know, should we be turning things over to artificial intelligence to do certain things? And Joseph Weizenbaum is an MIT um, computer scientist who wrote in the 60s and later in the 70s about this issue, the, the moral aspects of this. You know, should we be using machines to be making decisions that are really moral decisions and you know computer scientists often may not go down this realm of morality it's you know it's a different realm but i think we have to bridge these things because we are humans we're creating these machines um we have to think of the morality of this and and i ask that question all the time do i really want to rely on a machine to make a decision about something that impacts my health my child's health uh or our freedom and shouldn't humans be doing that and you can argue machines can do it more accurately. They can make decisions with less bias. I believe that to be generally true. Uh, 
but if we go too much on one extreme or it's just machines making decisions, I think that's dangerous. And maybe if we throw out all machines and, and helping to assist us in making decisions, that's, that's a problem too, because I think they can make us better. I think they can make society better, but we cannot lose the morality piece of this. I'll stop there. Yeah. And, and I think that there's something else about that that's weird. Like, if I decide to unilaterally not use a computer or a machine to help me make my decisions, I will necessarily make them slower, maybe worse. And, you know, my neighbor country, my neighbor company doesn't make that same decision. They're going to destroy me like quickly. And so it, it is a bit of a prisoner's dilemma. If we all back down, maybe the world will be better. But if one of us does it, and by the way, there's billions of us, because anybody could make one of these models now, there's billions of people. One person, one person is going to make the other decision. Yeah. Well, and we've got to- I don't know how we're going to get out of it. We got to comment on Rumble. AI would make better decisions than the current administration. That that also, you know, we, we keep talking about, well, we talk about from the AI st standpoint- and the people that are involved in designing and doing all this, we haven't even talked about the people who have to deal with the results, the the fallout. You know, the people who sit there and say, well, yeah, that was a good decision or not. It's the same kind of thing as, you know, our personal biases start to filter into this as well, where if you have AI that's that's doing a certain thing and you have a group that decides the bad thing, but you have another group that says, no, 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 it's perfectly fine. You know, you have all of that to contend with as well, because yeah. how society reacts to what the AIs, what the machine learnings and the robots are doing, you know, that that becomes another factor as well. So, yeah, it's it's not anything that we're going to figure out now. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it's going to be I mean, <laughs> this is going to be an ongoing conversation. And and I don't know that we're doomed yet. But the the pills are definitely gray in my bottle right now. I tell you, that's uh, that's what it yeah. is. So yeah. anyway, okay. So we're there's, gonna wrap up there. Thing Go ahead. Yeah, Dan. One more. One last point. Well, I was going to just throw in one one quick thing because it goes back to something you were going over earlier with the creating, you know, artificial friends. Uh, I would just say look up the uh, an experiment called Universe Twenty Five. It was done with rats. It was supposed mm -hmm. to be a utopia, experimenting with the utopia. Yeah. You've probably heard about this, where yeah. they gave plenty of room, plenty of food, put some rats in and said, all right, go to it. And then looked at how society built at a certain point, and then when it started falling apart. And I just have, as we're discussing this, I'm, I'm thinking where we are in society now is right where it says, you know, we'd be vulnerable to this. You know, that we as a people probably wouldn't be as vulnerable to AI if we weren't in the position we're in. Yeah. So definitely look up Universe 25, look up that experiment. And and when you see the lack of purpose and things like that, you'll see that is where we are most vulnerable. Yeah. All right. Well, we will wrap it up there. Uh, links for everybody is in the notes. I uh, want to thank everybody for being here today. Dan Andley, David Luxton, and Chris Lodwig. Mm -hmm. I appreciate all of the all of the thoughts and the contributing you know, the the contributions that y'all bring. This, these are good discussions. I like having these conversations. Uh, even though there's, you know, there's a cloud of 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 apprehension over the whole thing, but 
you know, the more people have these conversations, like David's talking about, with the ethics of it and the morals of it, those are the conversations that have to be had. And we need to continuously be coming back to that to say, okay, is this a good thing? Is this not a good thing? And so, you know, hopefully at some point, Somebody decides maybe we just shut the whole thing down and go go feed the squirrels. So <laughs> I don't know. All right, that's book uh, two for me. That's that's book two. Feed the squirrel. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. I do want to remind you tomorrow we have open line Friday. Uh, if uh, if you have thoughts that you want to share with uh, about this or anything else that's going on, I mean Lucasfilm is. Uh, having some stuff going on. Uh, so we, tomorrow you can call in, you can share your thoughts, ask your questions, and do check out our latest episode of the H2L podcast. We talk about shared universes, whether that's a good thing or not, and uh, all the social media platforms, the different places where you can find us there. Uh, go uh, go check that out. And uh, we will be back to do this again. I don't know. I don't know that we're going to do a, a ranker pit tonight. Uh, but we definitely will be looking and keeping an eye on the situation at Lucasfilm and Disney. And uh, we'll be back to do this all again next week. So uh, so tune in tomorrow for Open Line Friday, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, for Good Morning Multiverse. And it is going to be a packed show. We're going to be loaded because we didn't have a show last week. So join us for that. And remember, uh, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. God has a plan for you. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.